Rogers Business App Market brings together the right apps for your business and wraps it all up with Rogers world-class support. Microsoft Office 365 makes it easy. Whether you need to securely store and backup files, access or share documents in the cloud, collaborate with your team or manage your business from anywhere and on any device. Plus, with support from Rogers, you'll get everything up and running quickly. To learn more, visit rogers.com forward slash business apps. Scotiabank understands that business is personal and your business has unique needs. That's why we offer flexible solutions for your business banking. Create your own business banking package that works for you by opening an account online in minutes with ease and start saving today. Visit scotiabank.com forward slash small business to get started. Building your dream, work-life balance, scaling up, discussing the topics that matter most to entrepreneurs. He's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada podcast. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across Canada. With day-in-the-life stories and in-their-shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale-up companies and those driving the entrepreneurial movement. The Startup Canada podcast show is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. If you are a regular show listener, welcome back. If you're new to the program, hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes and Google Play Music and visit startupcan.ca to connect with both your local startup community and to join Startup Canada to access training, resources, and a peer network to grow your success. I'm Rivers Corbett and entrepreneurship is part of my DNA. Whether it's building my own companies or helping other entrepreneurs build theirs, this is my lane want to connect after the podcast you can find me at www.meetrivers.com hey this is anthony lacavera he's the founder and chairman of global live holdings all right ladies and gentlemen this is a first on the startup canada podcast and you get to experience it just so 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 pleased to have anthony lacavera on the podcast today he and i actually chatted back in april of 2016 and you can find out all about that conversation when we talked about his company wind mobile but But before I get into today's conversation, I got a little bit of a bio intro I have to do. So Tony Lacavera is the founder and chairman at Global Live Holdings, best known for being the founder and CEO of Win Mobile. Uh, Anthony sold Win for $1.6 billion after it grew to become Canada's fourth largest wireless carrier. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to go on and on about it, but you want to listen to that conversation. It was absolutely epic, a true journey of an entrepreneur going up a mountain and sometimes falling off the cliff too on the way. Not only has Anthony built Canada's fourth largest phone carrier, he has also invested in some of Canada's most promising startups through his venture capital firm, Global Live Capital. As an active leader in Canada's entrepreneurship community, Anthony is often a fixture at some of Toronto's hottest incubators. We're going to talk about those in a second. As a venture capitalist, he has had significant stake in dozens of 
startups from Canada, as well as the United States as a mentor and investor. And as I mentioned before, heavily involved in Canada's most successful accelerators and incubators, including Mars, Creative Destruction Lab, DMZ, and Next Canada. The founder and chairman of Global Life Capital, Tony, also has done business in more than 30 countries and is a regular commentator on Bloomberg TV and the author of How We Can Win, which we're going to dive a lot into that book uh, today. And now I can say he's a regular guest of the Startup Canada podcast show also. Tony, just really, really thrilled to have you back and congratulations on your book and, uh, and your journey. Oh, Rivers, thank you. It's really a pleasure to be back. I enjoyed the conversation a year and a half ago, and I'm looking forward to the conversation today. The book has been an exciting process, so I look forward to the conversation about that for sure. Okay, well, cool. So last time we uh, we chatted, uh, you know, a year and a half ago, we went through that journey with uh, with wind, and, uh, you know, you're just kind of diving into the next stage of your life. Can you give us some highlights of what's happened in the last 18 months since we last chatted on the podcast? Yeah, certainly. So, you know, about 15 years ago, prior even to starting Win Mobile in 2008, circa kind of 2003, 2004, I started a, a venture capital group within my Global Life uh, holding uh, that I started in 1998, uh, 20 years ago now. So, we've been investing in early stage technology companies for the better part of the last 15 years. Right. And the evolution has been from software related startups to software as a service startups, SaaS startups that they were, they are called commonly, uh, and now in recent years to uh, artificial intelligence enabled startups, and now even more recently, uh, blockchain enabled uh, uh, technology platform companies. Uh, and through that evolution, Rivers, we've learned a lot about venture investing. And one of the things we really learned is uh, you're not going to be surprised to hear that it is all about the founders and the founder dynamic and the co-founder dynamic. And uh, we've gotten our fair share of great outcomes and certainly our fair share of uh, of zeros yes. going down these uh, going down the road of investing. We've invested in upwards of 100 early stage technology companies over the last 15 years. There's 45 companies in our portfolio um, right now. And I, you know, I'm proud to say that um, it's a diverse group uh, of, uh, of founders um, from all over uh, the world and um, building some very exciting uh, technology companies. And so the last couple of years, since I've been out of really operating any business uh, post the sale of, uh, I sold my three uh, operating companies that I started, mm-hmm. uh, Wind, uh, um, OneConnect, and Yak Communications, sold them all about 24 months, 16, 18 months ago. And uh, and have spent the last couple of years focused on venture investing, and and so that's been kind of a priority for me for the past couple of years, and uh, and all artificial intelligence and now blockchain focused. But the the book, of course, consumed a lot of my time in the last couple of years as well. <laughs> You're not busy enough, so you decide to go out and write a book. And again, I promise you I'm going to get to that because I want to I want to end the conversation. We're going to spend some time around, you know, the theme behind it. It's a bestseller, um, you know, and, and I want to talk about what was the impetus to make you start that. But before we get there, I'm, I'm curious, um, you know, as you're going through your investment journey and, and the, the amount of companies you've been through in the, comp- in the countries, I'm reminded of this commercial I saw with Esso. I think maybe it's Esso or Exxon, doesn't matter, but how they 
sent people out into the world to try to discover these great opportunities for for Exxon. Is that how you find your uh, your uh, your investments? You send people out, or are you finding most of them are coming to you? Well, you, Rivers, you spend a lot of time prospecting for opportunities for sure. And one of the reasons you mentioned at the top of the conversation, my involvement with a lot of the incubators and accelerators uh, in not just the Canadian innovation ecosystem, but uh, further abroad, uh, of course, as well. And that's certainly a big source of opportunities, not just to partner with existing founders, but also a lot of first-time founders and build on top of uh, their concepts uh, and, and develop companies in the incubator construct. Now, of course, when uh, 20 years ago, when I started my first business, there was no such thing really as an incubator or accelerator. <laughs> yeah, right on. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, it's definitely a, a construct that I think makes a ton of sense to help uh, founders, you know, avoid the big, call it the big mistakes. And so I always say to people, you know, where do you start? If I got an idea, where do I start a business? And I always say, look, there's so many different incubators and accelerators now. There's so many that are specialized or focused in specific areas. You got to just pick one and go with it and apply. And uh, some of them are for concept stage uh, ventures and some of them are for more established ventures. Typically the, the word accelerator applies to more going concerns that are already established and and they're looking for scale up funding and, and incubators are typically more uh, concept stage or, or, you know, pre-seed investment uh, uh, type stage of venture. So we've, We've covered the broad spectrum of, of that, and that's certainly a, a place we find a lot of early stage technology companies to invest in. Um, but then, to, to your point, exactly, we're out there prospecting as well and building relationships uh, with uh, venture capital organizations around the globe to uh, say, look, we've got a certain amount of expertise at Globalize. Uh, from our history of investing and our history of operating, starting and building and operating companies. So if it's something that falls into kind of these domains and broadly that's software and telecommunications in our, in our world, um, it, well, we've got a lot uh, of value add we can bring to the table. And that's how I try to differentiate global live and get the big global VCs to say, Hey, you know what, this, this guy, Lacavera is maybe a good one to call for, for this one. Yeah. Brilliant. If, if you were going to start your own accelerator today, what would you do differently that you would like to see other accelerators do? I think we're in a place now where there are so many uh, and there is so much pre-seed and seed funding available to ventures. Uh, I think we've crossed rivers into an interesting place where almost it's almost too much now. And many folks that shouldn't be Uh, founders are now founders. (laughs) Uh, uh, And as you know, from personal experience and of course myself as well, you know, it's, it's not, not everyone's cut out for that bootstrap, get it off the ground uh, uh, function. And, and similarly folks like me aren't the best, you know, once it's a big mature company, um, Right. You know, so we've all got our strengths. And I think that what's happened is a lot of the incubators and accelerators have, have now gone a little bit too far and uh, are helping uh, founders that n- maybe shouldn't be founders. Uh, so I, if I was going to get one off yes. the ground now, I would be entirely focused on what we're doing at, uh, I'm involved with one called the Creative Destruction Lab, which is uh, housed at the, yes. uh, the Rotman School. We're now just launching at NYU. We've launched at UBC. 
um, and, and in Montreal. And Halifax, and is, Halifax. Halifax is just yeah, starting. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But we, what I'm very excited about is we've been able to export that model now to the U S and, uh, and, and, and NYU, we were kicking off next year. I'm going to, I'm a, a founding, uh, sponsor of it and going to be, uh, an active, uh, uh panelist and judge of, of the ventures and engage in the ventures. And, um, I, I like the model there a lot because similar to what's going on at startup Canada, you know, it's all about, that commercialization of an idea and let's just get it out there and let's provide support infrastructure around getting an idea out there. One of the things I think is great about startup Canada is just that, right. And I think creative destruction lab has that kind of model as well. So for incubation stage stuff, I think startup Canada has got a great model and for accelerator uh, stage stuff, I think creative destruction lab has pulled ahead of the pack. Do you find that um, the accelerator piece you mentioned about, founders becoming founders and they shouldn't be do you also find that maybe there's some mentors there that shouldn't be mentors because it's so um so vast now and this and yet get and subsequently getting thin with proper mentorship i think this is definitely an emerging uh, issue um there's unfortunately uh, as as we've been talking about such a, a wide uh, range and and large number of incubators and accelerators that the me- pool of mentors is is stretched for sure, and you know what ends up happening, of course, is you end up getting uh, folks that um, are as mentors themselves in in many respects as much of a learning role as the <laughs> as the founders that they're mentoring, yeah. <laughs> and that's <laughs> right. not necessarily you know an ideal uh, scenario. Uh, so. I've spent certainly a lot of time uh, uh, at Next uh, Canada, where, where which I co-chair, you know, building that that mentor advisor pool and trying to ensure that that mentor advisor pool are folks that um, not, not necessarily have, by the way, their own startup experience, but just have some specific, very relevant experience to who we pair them with. And I think that's the key. Uh, point and formula for success is figuring out right. you know, where is the expertise of that uh, mentor. And then let's think strategically about what founder mm. could most benefit from that in the immediate term and prioritize that way. And and I think we've got that down at next uh, Canada reasonably well, still lots of work to do, but um, I think that that's uh, an opportunity for all the incubators and accelerators to just think through, okay, we already know everyone, we already know, our mentor pool is stretched. So how do we optimize it? A uh, quick uh, overview of what next Canada is. Then I want to get into your book, how we can win. Yeah. So next Canada is uh, runs two programs. One's called the next 36, which is focused on founder development. Uh, next 36 is uh, typically, uh, typically the cohort is uh, people in undergraduate uh, studies. Some of them have started a business already, but uh, they tend to be uh, in undergraduate or thereabouts that age. They tend to be first time founders generally. And they, the focus of the program is really founder development. So we have a venture focus as well, but we're really all about a great curriculum, world-class curriculum um, uh, that's operated largely from the University of Toronto. And, um, and we, uh, we have guest lectures coming from all over and we prov- you know, provide that early uh, guidance on, on getting a, getting a business out of, uh, off the ground, but from a founder development, founder uh, horizon expansion perspective. And then we operate a second program called Next AI, and that program is entirely about commercialization of early stage artificial intelligence technologies. We fund up to $200,000 per venture 
the first cohort was a wild success. Rivers, nice. we had, uh, yeah, we had 75 people from nine countries, uh, 15 companies were formed, six companies were revenue generating from scratch after the program ended nine months later. Wow. Uh, all 15 had a minimum viable product and all of them were commercializing in many cases, five, 10 plus years of research in artificial intelligence nice. focused around machine learning is kind of the, the early commercialization of this stuff, as I'm sure, you know, Yeah, great world you live in my friend. It's a fun and exciting one for sure. <laughs> Very cool. And, and one of the things I'm glad you referenced as part of that conversation, you said, you know, countries around the world came to be part of these uh, accelerators. And I think, you know, I think people forget entrepreneurs forget that they don't have to, you know, they don't have to be from Toronto to go participate, just get on a plane and go there. And, uh, and get involved. So uh, I'm glad you to reinforce that. And, and thanks for your leadership there. So busy with all that stuff you're doing. And, um, and I know you're busy. Uh, but then you say, okay, I got to write a book. And take, <laughs> why not? Right? So what, what, was, right. what was the what was the impetus that you said, oh, man, Anthony, let's let's go ahead and do it. What's what was that seed of, uh, of, of thought process? You know what, Rivers, it's one of these things where when you, there's that saying out there that when you start up a business, it takes you know, five times as long and 10 times as much money as you expect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. You get a, an engineer by education, myself, trying to write a book, and it's one of the, it's one of those things where the scope explodes and the amount of time it took me was a solid 10x to what I expected. Love so it. Love it. It was, it was a really quite a journey. Um, and really, but I'll tell you what, learned a ton about our country. Uh, and um, the book is entitled how we can win. It's a book about what I think needs to happen in order for Canada to be prosperous in the 21st century. And by prosperous, I mean, how do we solidify the way of life that we all love about this in this country, mm. the strong democratic institutions, the healthcare system, the universal healthcare system, the, wow. the world-class education, the social safety net, uh, the, the diverse pluralistic population that's so well integrated. All of these things make this a great place to be and live and not just start a business but a great place to be. Mm -hmm. And um, in my experience in starting up a, a businesses here and also of starting up businesses in the U.S. and further abroad, as I've done over the last 20 years, I gained a perspective that Canada is lagging and increasingly lagging, not just the developed world in the United States, but uh, the, the emerging markets and the rapidly growing markets in Asia um, and, uh, and the rapidly growing markets in, in, in Europe as well. We are lagging from the perspective of we have existed uh, as a uh, uh, as a largely uh, a resource-based uh -huh. economy, uh, we focus on light processing and extraction of resources. Early in the evolution of the country, we shipped all that off to the to the British Empire, and now seventy-five percent of our exports go to the United States. Um, and so one of the fundamental things I talk about in the book is we have all this great stuff in this country, but we must change our mindset. It all comes back to a mindset. We've got to stop thinking like the junior partner in any kind of relationship. And we are constantly saying, Oh, wow, the U S is so big. They're so competitive. I can't go there. But you know what rivers I've been saying to people, look, you say that and you think that, but you don't think that when we play hockey, <laughs> you don't think that 
You, you, yeah. Ten, yeah, sure. They're 10, they're 10 times our size, 10 times the population, but we expect to win gold when we play hockey. Bang on, man. And why can we not just bring that same mentality to our business culture, our business world? That's what we have to do for Canada to be prosperous. We have to stop striving for a second or third or fourth place finish and being happy with that. We've got to be striving for the gold medal, for the number one place, for the top of the podium. That's where we have to aim. And whenever we set our mind to it, as we do in hockey regularly, uh-huh. uh, we win. We often uh-huh. win. And it doesn't matter how much bigger uh, the uh, the party on the other side of the of the of, of the ice is. Uh-huh. We win. Yep. So how? So you're and you're right. There is an expectation. You're going to go into every tournament and you're going to win. Everyone we own that space yep. and we're going to win. And I'm sure that that analogy is sprinkled throughout your uh, your book. So so it's mindset. Good to say it. Hard, harder to actually start to adjust that mindset. What are some of the recommendations or suggestions that you are, uh, are bringing in through the book? Yeah, look, that's that's exactly it. And I talk. I have some very practical solutions, and I draw analogies to some great entrepreneurial stories all through this book. There's some great stories uh, of celebrating Canadian successes is what I'm trying to do. Cause that's one of the fundamental things that we have to change in order to change our mindset. We have to start by celebrating our successes. Mm-hmm. So I profile a number of very successful Canadian entrepreneurs in the book. Uh, there's some great stories of people that have innovated in not just high tech industries, but in more traditional industries. Uh, Joelle Faulkner is one from area one farms. She's created a whole new business model in farming and agriculture and is not just disrupting the legacy way of, of conducting business in that industry, but also creating the promise of uh, much more cost-effective food available globally uh, through the business model she's building. So that's one you'd never have heard of. And, you know, yeah, exactly. And truthfully in the U S you know, entrepreneurs, innovators uh, are celebrated Uh, right from a young age. American kids learn about Carnegie. They learn about Vanderbilt. They learn about Thomas Edison. They learn about uh, Bill Gates. They learn about now Mark Zuckerberg. It's woven through their curriculum to uh, to not just uh, celebrate, but be aware of at least you know the great entrepreneurs that are uh, innovators that have moved that co- country forward, and we just don't do that in, in in Canada. We have two things going on. We've got one a tall poppy syndrome, where we you know if you get too big or too ambitious, the the knives come out. Yep, uh, and and that has to be eliminated. Uh, that's driving into our our mindset. And then the other thing is we have to. I start really embracing the idea that you can be number one and that's a good thing yes. and that that's going to create a lot of other opportunities and profit isn't a dirty word, you know, like it's a, it's a very positive thing. Uh, and, and just like in any other walk of life, of course, there are some business people that are, uh, you know, that aren't the best people mm-hmm. at their core. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's true. That's true. And every walk of life, every walk. So, yep. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I think, um, that's uh, a, cor- a cornerstone of it. Then I, so I, I get off those, I have a bunch of those sort of broad, uh, solutions that I think, and some, and ways that we can implement them. But then I get into as well, look, here's just some practical next steps, starting with, we've got to double down on winners. And what I mean by that is, you know, it may offend sort of our Canadian, uh, egalitarian mindset, but <laughs> so what? we have to pick winners. 
Pick winners, yeah. companies that have a prospect of becoming globally dominant companies. We need to double down on those companies. What does that mean? Government directly supports the winners. Right. And, and you know, Scandinavian countries do it. Israel does it. You know, it's much smaller countries than us do it. And that's how they compete with the big countries. Uh-huh. And so we just, we've got to pick the two or three or four areas. And I outline what they are, in my opinion, financial services, automotive, energy, agriculture. Those are the industries where Canada is strong today. We've got to build technology companies in those industries that are going to become globally dominant companies. And we're going for number one. We're not going for number three. Brilliant. Uh, and, and uh, so I get into, I get into double down, doubling down on winners and I have formulas for how exactly government should be supporting it. By the way, the shred credit, uh, formulas and construct, I, uh, I propose radically changing that. And a lot of folks may not agree with me in that, in that area, because I'm talking about instead of spreading out the three and a half to $4 billion across thousands of companies. Yes. I propose concentrating it to ones that are going to win ones that have broken ahead of the pack that are clearly on a good track. We're going to divert the 4 billion to those and help build globally dominant companies that are exporting globally, but scaling right here in Canada. That's the path to prosperity in the 21st century. Well, sorry, I just want to touch in here a set because uh, I want to keep talking about what you're going to reference, but controversy (laughs) creates opportunity for dialogue. My friend, you've got it since this book has been launched and and audio and hard copy and so on. You've got to have created some buzz. Yeah. It's amazing. You know, it's just absolutely amazing. Rivers, I got like a handful of people. So it's a wide spectrum of feedback. So I got a handful of folks saying, you know what? I don't agree. I don't agree with anything you said. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'm way on the other side of the spectrum. I got people saying, yep, 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 yep. That's all. Yeah. Right on. That's my experience. That's what happened to me. I started a business. You know, you hear all these anecdotes of people experiencing it every which way. Yes. All the bureaucracy, the red tape, all the slowness, the regulations, all the things that slow people down in Canada and why they move elsewhere. And interestingly, you know, <laughs> a lot of the yep, 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 yep comes from expats. Ah, so I've got people in the UK yeah. and in New York and in San Francisco saying, yeah, damn, that is why I left. <laughs> right on. Uh, it's a wide, wide spectrum, which to your point, I'm really pleased with the outcome because I did it to start a conversation. I'm sure. not trying to make everyone happy. I'm not trying to uh, appease anyone. I'm trying to, do, to say what I believe from my experience in 20 years, starting 12 businesses five exits, three failures. Here's what's wrong with Canada. Here's what we need to do to be prosperous in 21st century. Um, so tell me, uh, I want to hear, because uh, I, I want to respect your time. We got about five minutes left here and I promise you 30 minutes. Um, first, first of all, tell people about what you told me before we started about uh, the recognition you just recently got, how people can find the book and uh, then we can, we can uh, segue into a final question for you. Yeah, yeah, exciting. So Indigo has named it one of the 10 best business books uh, in Canada in 2017. Nice. It's available, of course, at Indigo. Um, and um, it's also, of course, on Amazon. It's only available on Amazon Canada, though. I'm not selling the book at this time in the U.S. So it's Amazon.ca is where it's available. But uh, Amazon Indigo uh, and, of course, all the independent bookstores or most of the independent bookstores are, are carrying it uh, as well. So um, pretty widely, it is widely available. And I really have been saying to people, look, if, if you invest the time to even read some of it, uh, I'm, I genuinely directly would love your feedback. This is not meant to be 
something where I'm, uh, you know, saying, here's my piece and see you later. Right. This for me is a conversation. And so I'm active on social with it. I've, I've asked people to give me feedback, uh, either at, at Anthony Lacavera on Twitter or at Anthony Lacavera on LinkedIn. And I'm engaged. And if you go on my, my social, you can see I'm engaged in all these conversations. Yeah, I love about it, it. Love it. Uh, it, it just has to be done. We have to have these conversations. The, um, you know, and by the way, I'm going to attest to the fact of how approachable you are and how kind you are with your time, even as busy as you are, you've always given time to me personally, when I've had the chance to say hello at a conference or whatever, always given time to, uh, to the startup Canada team, always given time to this podcast. And so when he says it, ladies and gentlemen, he really needs it. You know, I'm one of the, one of the things I want to leave with is, uh, about a year and a half, well, actually about, oh my gosh, now it would have been four years ago. There was a big conversation around fracking here in the province of New Brunswick and, uh, they did a big study on it and yeah, you had your zealots and then you had your 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 anti-frackers but the the gentleman who did the study uh, dr john mclaughlin used to be the president of the university of new brunswick he said to me rivers he says what's interesting is he says there's was that 80 percent in the middle that were willing to listen because they recognized they just didn't know enough about it and i think that's where you're heading with this that's that 80 percent you screw the extremists on both sides, because you're not going to convince them one way or the other. Well, actually, one works for you because they agree with you. But the, <laughs> but the point is, how do you now begin that dialogue of uh, you're starting that? But, you know, it's it's all about disciples also. So do you have a disciple strategy uh, as part of getting this word out? Yeah, this is about you're, you're right on. This is about that 80 percent. This is about awareness. I wrote this book to create awareness about what I see as a fundamental structural problem in our country and that it's going to lead us down a very negative path in the coming 25, 50 years, but we have all the tools available and the track record behind us to fix it all if we just raise awareness and have conversations about it. And I'm not trying to pretend that I have all the answers right, by any right. means. I've got, I got a lot of ideas. There's a lot of ideas in that book. A lot of a lot of people say, "Yep, great idea." A lot of people say, "No, no, not don't agree with that one." But the conversation is what's key. So you, you hit the nail on the head there. I'm trying to start a conversation, and my strategy is to keep pushing for that conversation to happen, and ideally, you know, create it in circles well beyond what I can do personally and directly, but hopefully get people around the dinner table saying, "Hey, you know what? Yeah, look, we are exporting 75% of our exports to the United States, and hey." In my small business, I would be freaking out if one customer was seventy-five percent of my yeah, revenue. Yeah, right on, right on, right on. <laughs> but that's the way we're, that's the way we're running our country. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> and it's and we're giving it to a guy that wants to add, put up more trade barriers uh, to prevent us from doing it. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. You see the automotive industry, you know, the Southern Ontario uh, manufacturing industry, overwhelmingly dominated by automotive. Now suddenly. GM Canada, Ford Canada, Chrysler Canada, Toyota, Mitsubishi, Honda. What do they all have in common? Those are all foreign multinational companies. There's no Canadian car. And there is no reason why there isn't one except our mindset. Right, right. Love it. Tony, 
Lack of Vera, you continue to do epic stuff. Continue to bless me with your time. Uh, thank you so much again. I look forward to you breaking the record again where you're the first person to be on the podcast three times. And uh, just keep doing your magic, man. And uh, look forward to the opportunity to shake your hand soon. Rivers, it's really a pleasure, man. I really appreciate you investing the time and your interest. And uh, I really look forward to your feedback on how we can win. Yeah, well, I'm going to get the book for sure. Cheers. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Want access to resources and support to grow your business? Visit startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Till next week, I'm Rivers Corbett leaving you with a sneak peek of next week's episode. This is Ryan Smoke and founder and CEO, that means Chief Entertainment Officer of Smoke Poutinery. And you are listening to the Startup Canada podcast with the epic host of all time, Rivers Corbett! Woo! We're known as the disruptors, right? If you're not willing to put your neck out there and put your ass on the line, uh, you ain't going to differentiate yourself. You're going to be like everybody else, right? So that goes right from our our potatoes. Like everybody says, oh, you should be using russets. Everybody uses russets. Why the hell would I use russets? Wait, russets. <laughs> if, if, if everybody else is using it, right? And it comes down to yeah, the seriously. way that you dress, the way you act, the way you talk, the, the way you serve and what you're serving. But I think uh, the entertainment part comes about just by believing in the brand and knowing it, living it, loving it, injecting yourself with gravy into your veins like that's how deep you've got to go and i think before yeah. we opened you know we already had the events we had the pr we had the social already set up you know not saying it was crazy as like like this huge social following and network following but you know what i was staying up i can remember dude i was up till three four in the morning every single night inviting people one by one to facebook right that's what it takes right. and that's what builds yeah. it the biggest thing we're known for on the brand side we always I got to say it was a creative marketing genius. It was the simplest idea. It was the stickers of Smoke's face. Everywhere we go, we got Smoke's face, yeah. like two inch, four inch, six inch stickers yeah. of just his face posted and plastered all over cities and over other people's wild postings, man. Like he's a, he's a teacher. Yeah. He's a ballerina. He's an astronaut. He's a rock star. He's everything, man. And then it's that whole discovery factor when people don't even know who the hell he is, but it's the coolest face and the coolest man in the world. And then they happen to walk by our restaurant they said oh my god i you know i recognize that it's that discovery factor or they see it on a yeah. on a pr bit that just got uh, launched or something they they recognize it so it's just building the brand that by like one customer at a time one sticker at a time and i always joke around and other people are spending the 12 you know 15 20 million dollars on a campaign i was spending yeah. uh, about 15 dollars for my campaign paying a kid to go out for an stickers. hour to do a bunch of stickers <laughs>